Thanks, team. That was beautiful. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Orchard Hills. Whether you're in the room, watching from home, watching online, we are really glad that you're here with us today. My name is Sutton Wirt, um, and it is an honor to get to serve here as your community care pastor and uh, to get to open the Word of God with you this morning. So over the last few weeks, we've been getting back to the basics, kind of refocusing on the fundamentals of what it means to follow Jesus, uh, what we call discipleship or being a disciple, someone who lives, loves, and leads like Jesus. And so in order to do that, we've been going through this resource that we put together a couple years ago called the Five Gospel Minimums. Um, and really, that's just kind of like a discipleship toolkit, um, some tools that we put together for you to use in your context, in your life, as you follow Jesus for yourself. Um, so we've stressed the importance of Scripture uh, for knowing God, not just knowing about Him, but actually knowing Him. Um, we've introduced the tool of soaping for a way that you can easily get into the Scripture and begin to digest it for yourself. Um, and then as we think about moving from our relationship with God out into the relationships around us, last week Scott introduced um, the idea of a frank list, uh, that you would begin to develop a list um, of friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and coworkers. That's what Frank stands for. Um, people in your life who are, are close to you that you want to see come close to God and that you would just begin to pray for those people. Um, we start with prayer because we're recognizing that God is the one who saves. We don't save people. Um, he is the Savior. And so if we're going to be a part of, of anyone coming to know him, we have to start with prayer, start with going to him. Um, from there, Scott moved on to talk about another acronym. I know some of you guys hate acronyms, so sorry about that. Uh, but we think these are helpful. Um, and this one is, is BLESS. And really what this represents is just a relational, intentional way of beginning to share Jesus with the people in your life. So uh, the B is begin with prayer. Um, the L is uh, listen with care, eat together, serve with love, uh, and then finally, the last S, share your story and Jesus' story. And so that last S is actually what we're going to focus in on the next couple of weeks here. Um, this week, I'm going to talk about sharing God's story, uh, which is the gospel. That's what we mean when we're talking about that. And then next week, we'll talk about sharing your story, um, and that'll be really sweet. So, uh, to talk about sharing God's story, we're going to look at an example from Scripture of someone who, who actually did that. Uh, so this is in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Um, I'd encourage you to turn there if you have your Bibles with you. If you don't, we have Bibles in the seats in front of you, and this is on page 1086 of those Bibles. <clears throat> As you're turning there, um, let, me, let me give you the context so we don't just drop in not knowing what's happening. Um, so the book of Acts begins with Jesus um, ascending to heaven and before he does, saying to his followers, wait, wait here, I'm going to send the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so they wait 40 days until the day of Pentecost. They're in an upper room. Uh, they're praying together. And then Jesus from heaven pours out his Holy Spirit on them. They're filled with the Spirit. They immediately go out into the streets. They're telling the mighty acts of God, all that he's done to save people through Jesus. And everywhere, people begin to respond and to be saved, to give their lives and surrender to Jesus as their Lord and to be baptized in his name. And so this begins to happen and the church immediately begins to grow and to spread like wildfire. 
But not everybody's happy about it. And so um, in the first chapter of Acts, the first, sorry, the first seven chapters, those all happen in Jerusalem. And so you've got this church growing, but then you've got the same people that oppose Jesus, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, they are opposed to this Jesus movement. Um, and one of them is named Saul. And Saul, um, it says that Saul was ravaging the church, that he goes into people's houses, drags them out, throws them into prison. He's persecuting them in a very intense and real way. Um, but rather than squelch this Jesus movement, uh, rather than uh, confine or stamp out the church, what it does is the opposite of what he intended. And he, in essence, spreads Christianity out across the world from Jerusalem. And so these believers who are running for their lives, north, south, east, west, they're going and they are carrying the gospel with them. Um, and so one of those people, a guy named Philip, one of the seven original deacons that was appointed earlier in Acts, um, Philip goes north to Samaria. So Jerusalem's kind of in the southern part of Israel. He goes north to Samaria, which is right in the middle um, of Israel. It's this group of people, <clears throat> the Samaritans, who were half Jew, half Gentile. They were not loved or welcomed by the Jewish people. But Philip goes there and he shares the gospel and people give their life to the Lord and they're being baptized and, and, and the church is growing. Um, but then where we pick up today, the Lord has another mission for Philip. And so this is Philip's story in Acts chapter eight. Um, let's read and then we'll pray together. <clears throat> Verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south. So this is, he's going now, he was north of Jerusalem, now he's going to go back down south towards the coast. South to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. It's quick obedience. Working on my kids with that one. Um, <clears throat> and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, and this is from Isaiah 53. It says, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch together, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, this is crazy, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, which is like 20 miles north. 
And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I praise you for your word, for the beauty of it, for the way that through it we see you. Lord, we want to know you more today, and we want to know what you uh, want for us, what you have for us in our lives as we um, aim to live them for you. So Lord, speak to us now through this time. Uh, Open us up to your word. Open your word to us. Lord, we give you this time in your name. Amen. Amen. So, when we, when we talk about sharing the gospel, I think generally we've got a good bit of baggage around, around that phrase. Uh, maybe what comes to mind for you is kind of like the pushy salesman style approach um, that we've often seen and seen not going super well. Uh, maybe you think of people kind of awkwardly crowbarring Jesus into a conversation where the conversation wasn't really going that way. Um, maybe you think of people leaving tracks for restaurant servers instead of tips, um, which, by the way, you should never do. Um, if you are going to leave a track for a restaurant server, you should definitely leave a big old wad of cash right beside that. Um, but, but those things, those stereotypes are not what the Bible is talking about, not what we're talking about today. So what we're talking about is what the word gospel means, and it simply means good news. And the way that the Bible uses the word, it's not just any good news, it's a specific kind of good news. It's the good news about Jesus that changes everything. The gospel is the good news about Jesus that changes everything. It's what Paul uh, says in Romans 1 is the very power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's the heart of the message of the Bible. Um, it's the message that the Spirit of Jesus proclaims to people through, uh, through his church, through the word that draws people into a saving relationship with himself. And it's this. It's the message that you have sinned and therefore are justly condemned to a life apart from the one who who made you, a life apart from him now and a life apart from him for eternity. But God, who is rich in mercy, rather than leave you in your sin, sent his son, God the Father sent God the Son to die in your place, to take the punishment that you deserve so that you might walk free. And not only that, Jesus not only died for you, but he also lived for you. He lived a life of perfect obedience. He earned eternal life on your behalf. And he not only lived and died for you, but he rose for you so that you too might rise to a new kind of life, a new spiritual life right here, right now in this life and a new resurrection life forever with God and with his people in a new heaven and a new earth forever. That's the good news. That's our hope. That's what Jesus brings us and so much more. That's the good news of Jesus that changes everything. So what I'd like to do is just make a few observations from this story about how Philip shared this good news with this Ethiopian man. Um, And then I'm going to invite a friend up to share a little bit of how the good news has been making a difference in his life. So four observations. First one is this. Sharing the gospel must be led by God's Spirit. Notice that in verse 21, it says, And the Spirit said to Philip, 
go over and join that chariot. So Philip was listening to the Holy Spirit for direction and for guidance. I think too often we get so psyched out about sharing the gospel because we're trying to say just the right thing and just the right way and we're trying to get the circumstances just right and kind of force everything to happen and force a person to listen. Um, and rather than just listening to the Spirit, we put all of the emphasis on ourselves. We think that we have to make it happen. And really that's believing a lie because you're not the Savior, Jesus is. You're not the Savior, he is. And he has a plan and he has a purpose and he has a mission that he has invited you on. And so if you're gonna be on his mission, then we have to listen to the Holy Spirit. And really that's a lot simpler. We don't have to force anything to happen. We don't have to make anything happen. We just walk with him, listening to him, letting him be the Lord and moving and speaking and acting as we sense him leading us. Sharing the gospel must be led by God's Spirit. Point number two, <clears throat> asking questions is a really great place to start. So too often people charge into sharing the gospel with kind of a brash, pushy, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior kind of attitude, um, but that has often not been very helpful and has instead pushed people away and shut people down. Um, and so I want us to notice Philip here. And instead of that kind of an attitude, Philip just starts with where the Ethiopian man is at. It says he hears him reading. So he's listening before he's speaking. And rather than his own agenda, he, he's paying attention to where this guy is, what's happening in his life. Notice his posture. Um, he's humble. He's helpful. He asks the question, do you understand what you're reading? He's taking the posture of a servant seeking to help and to bless and to care for this man, showing interest in what's already happening in his life. Asking a question is a really good place to start. Number three, <clears throat> you do have to open your mouth. You'll see why I say that in a second. So the Ethiopian invites Philip um, into the chariot, chariot. He shares the passage of scripture um, he's like, you know, who's this about, Isaiah or somebody else? And, and then Philip sees the opportunity that the Lord has put in front of him. And it says, so Philip opened his mouth. And from this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So remember, Philip started by listening. Um, then he asked a question and he showed concern for where the guy was at and what was going on. But he didn't stop there. The guy didn't say, hey, what's this about? And Philip was like, I don't know, man. Well, you know, whatever, whatever's true for you, whatever it means to you, that's what the truth is. No, he told him the good news about Jesus. I'm afraid what has happened is that in, in an effort um, or maybe kind of a pendulum swing away from the, the pushy salesman approach, we've gone instead to the other side. Um, and, and what has become popular is actually this quote um, from, well, people say it's from St. Francis of Assisi. I don't think it actually is. Um, but it's this idea, and it says, um, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. You've probably heard that. I want to tell you, that's just wrong. It's not only unbiblical, it's just not possible. Um, so the point of the quote 
And, and I think what it's trying to say is that your life should preach the gospel. Your actions, your character have to back up the words that you're saying. And to that, I would say absolutely. Scripture affirms that. James says faith without works is dead. Any kind of gospel sharing without, without gospel-shaped character is empty talk. Absolutely. But it is, it is insufficient to merely live a life that represents the gospel and never open your mouth to speak it. The gospel must be verbally proclaimed. If Philip had not opened his mouth, this man would not have heard the good news about Jesus and been changed by it. Paul says, how will they believe unless they hear? How will they hear unless someone preaches to them? Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's the gospel. It changes everything, but we must, we must open our mouths to communicate it. And then observation number four, the Bible is the best resource for sharing the gospel. <clears throat> so previously for this gospel minimum, um, we have, have put forward a resource uh, called the three circles illustration. Um, and I think that that resource is helpful. It gives us a good framework for, for picturing what the gospel story looks like. Um, but it's been over a year now, and I haven't heard of a single one of you guys using it. Um, so I'm not going to keep recommending a resource that isn't helpful. Um, and I'm not trying to put blame on y'all. I've barely used it either. Um, but illustrations um, can be helpful. There's a lot of good ones. We've got the, the three cir circles resource out there. Um, another one is the bridge that the Navigators puts out. We've got a copy of that if you want that. Uh, the Romans Road, we printed those bookmarks when we went through Romans last year. Um, so if, if you would like an illustration, I think that is good and helpful. And, and if we don't have a good sense of the story, um, then that is a really helpful way to get a sense of it. But the point I want to make here is that there is nothing better than, than this for sharing the good news of Jesus. There's nothing better than Scripture. Notice this. Philip doesn't have a Bible with him. At this point in time, the whole Bible hasn't been written and the scriptures are written on scrolls and kept in synagogues throughout the land of Israel. Only very wealthy people would have a copy of it. So it's interesting that this Ethiopian man has a copy of Isaiah. But Philip doesn't have a copy. But notice this too. Philip does not hear that the Ethiopian has a question about Isaiah and say, you know what? I have no idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. No. Philip has God's word hidden in his heart. He knows what the Ethiopian is asking about. He's seen its fulfillment in Jesus. He knows God's word. He knows who he is, and he knows how all of it points to Jesus. And that's exactly what he shares with the Ethiopian man. He opens his mouth. He begins with this scripture, and he shares with him the good news about Jesus. The Bible's the best resource. It's what the Lord uses to proclaim the good news and what we should use as well. Let me say this. I think too often we do overcomplicate things. Um, I think we try to figure out some perfect gospel formula, some perfect way to share it. Um, I think if we think we can get the conditions just right, essentially, like I said before, we, we act like it all depends on us. But I want you to be free from that. It doesn't depend on you. You do have a role to play. The Lord has called you. The Lord has called all of his people to go 
and to make disciples. And we do that through sharing the good news. That's how people are, are changed into people who follow Jesus. And we've all got a, a part to play in that. But you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know all the things. You don't have to have the answer to deep and tricky theological questions. All you have to do is open your mouth to speak the good news about Jesus. You've got God's spirit inside of you. You've got a Bible, I would bet. Hide it in your heart. Open your ears. Look for opportunities that are all around you where the Lord is inviting you on his mission to save sinners. And let's push a little deeper here to the heart of things. Ultimately, you can't and you won't share the gospel if you haven't experienced it for yourself. If you haven't experienced it first. For many of us, I think we've heard the term gospel all our life. Some of us who've grown up in church, maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've heard Jesus died for your sins. He rose from the dead. Yeah, you, you know the stuff. But you can know all the facts about the gospel story without it ever changing you. You can know the gospel without knowing the gospel. You can know about Jesus without actually knowing him. And friends, that is the biggest difference in the world. It's the difference between life and death. That's why we're talking about this today. So I'd like to invite up my friend Curtis Shank. Curtis, come on up here, man. And he's going to share a little bit about what this has looked like in his life. Y'all give him a hand. <clears throat> Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, Curtis, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Curtis Shank. Um, married to my beautiful wife, Leah, for almost six years now. Uh, we've been coming to Orchard Hills for just over a year and uh, became members just back in June. Yeah. Um, yeah, so thank you, Mama Shank, for leading us here. Um, <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm nervous about this, right? <laughs> That's okay. So, uh, I'm glad you're here. I didn't tell them that I was doing this, right? That's awesome. So no matter what happens next, the look on their face, it, it's worth it. <laughs> that was worth it right there? It's all worth it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for doing <clears throat> it, Curtis. Yeah. Um, so what? tell us a little bit about what your life was like um, with God, with church, before you came to Orchard Hills? So growing up, I was never really part of any kind of organized religion. Um, I only started going to church when I met Leah. Um, if it wasn't for the pastor, I probably wouldn't have gone back. Um, not Orchard Hills. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, I went, but it was more like a, a box to check off for the week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've always believed in God. Spoke to God, prayed to God selfishly, hmm. um, been even mad at God. Uh, yeah. Never read the Bible in its entirety. Uh, I knew a lot about it. I had a, an interest in the history of God. Hmm. Um, didn't, didn't know what a relationship with Jesus was like. I didn't even know what that was. Wow. Uh, still, life was great. You know, I have a great wife, great family. Uh, Nice house, uh, job I'm extremely successful in. You know, thank you, God. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so what, what happened? How did, how did the Lord get a hold of you? 
It's a good question. So, um, you know, so as I said, life was great. We even uh, joined a church that I absolutely love coming to. Um, yeah, I've got this whole thing figured out, right? Um, unfortunately, it made me a little, little rebellious, right? So uh, poor Leah, she would ask me, hey, Kurt, you want to you wanna do a Bible study? You want to read a book? Uh, you know, maybe do a daily devotional? I was like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need that. I've got this life thing pegged. Dang. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> somewhere around February, March last year, we were doing the Romans Road series. Um, that's when I started questioning everything. Hmm. It was then I started questioning everything. Um, it was said that the good news of Jesus is not good news if you think you're doing fine without him. Well, yeah. that kind of sparked something. Actually, it struck a nerve, yeah. right? Uh, here I thought, man, I got it figured out. Um, things are going great. I'm going to church regularly. You know, I'm doing my thing. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> over like five or so months, I struggled with this. Hmm. I struggled accepting that I needed him. So I'm a good researcher. Um, I started off small. I was like, well, I'm going to listen to a podcast. Um, that led me to a 52-week uh, Bible reading chronologically, which I thought was really cool. Um, even started reading some books. Um, I was still missing something. Hmm. You see, I was becoming this fan of Jesus in my head, but I wasn't a follower in my heart. Hmm. Right? So that became my only selfish prayer, that he would find his way in here. And there's probably so many details that we don't have hours to talk about, but, um, you know, one day it just occurred. I'm becoming very vulnerable. Hmm. My prideful thinking is making me vulnerable, and it's getting in the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just had to... uh, Kind of embraced that, you know, it was then I knew, like, I had to, I had to step down. Hmm. I had to step down so that Jesus could take his rightful place in my life. And it all happened unexpectedly, and, and that's how I know that it's real. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> You weren't looking for it. He, he got a hold of you. He grabbed right a hold of me, man. <laughs> like, like I said, I mean, it, it would take hours up here to explain everything, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So what, I don't know, what does your life look like now? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm still learning what a relationship with Jesus is. Um, I'm slowly stepping down off of that throne so that he can take his rightful place on it. Um, You know, it's good. Yeah. It's refreshing. You know, like, I don't have to do all the work. It's it's amazing. Right. Uh, Right, so. Um, Yeah, so um, it's important to me that I get baptized you know, it's not my understanding. I was when I was an infant, but uh, I really want to reaffirm that as an adult, that Jesus is my Lord. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm 33 weeks into my reading. Um, haven't missed a day since. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. I've read multiple books at this point. Yeah. So if you ever want to talk books. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've been voracious. Yeah. So. Probably no more than I do. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, my prayers look different now. Yeah. Um, I journal every sermon. 
this week's writing should be interesting. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to myself. Um, Curtis said really deep things. To yeah, me. like this guy, Curtis. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, the craziest thing I've done, hmm. right, the craziest thing I've done, I've, uh, I've had multiple conversations about God or church or Jesus, um, three of which were people like I never thought that I would have that conversation with. Hmm. Never thought it. Um, and it was natural. Yeah. It was comfortable. Yeah. Awesome. So that, that was, uh, that's been really cool. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's gratifying now to look back and see the, the road that God has paved for me. He actually answered those selfish prayers, hmm. either by acting uh, or just ignoring them altogether. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But see, here's the irony. It took me getting to the, the peak of my life hmm. for me to realize I needed Jesus in it. Wow. You see, he could have turned me over to that pride. Instead, he revealed my Savior. Man. Yep. Praise God. So. That's awesome, Curtis. Yep. Thanks for sharing, brother. No yep. problem. Yeah. Man, it's good news. Isn't that awesome, y'all? Curtis knew about God. He knew the stuff. He went to church. But when Jesus saved him, when it actually hit home, when he felt like he was doing fine and the Lord plucked him up out of that and said, hey, you're not fine without me, that's when everything changed. And his whole life has changed. His purpose has changed. His direction has changed. Curtis and I have been getting lunch kind of over the past couple of years, and one time I was like, this is not the same man that I'm having lunch with. Like, I, just, I could just tell that something was different, and I just started asking him about it. I'm like, dude, it, it kind of just like, like the, Bible, the language the Bible uses is that uh, we're born again. That's what happens when the Lord saves us. And he was like, I feel that way. I was like, you look that way. Like, I can just see it on your face. So, friends, this, this is the heart of the gospel. This is what we're talking about. Not, not just knowing some facts, not just sharing some facts, but sharing a person, sharing Jesus and the beauty of what he has done to save us. Not what you do, not your goodness, not your righteousness, but what he has done to pluck us up out of the mire of our sin to bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And that is what we long to see happen in every one of the lives of everyone here. That's our hope. That's our prayer. 1 John 5.12 says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And so the question today is, do you have Jesus? Is he yours? Have you not just heard the facts of the gospel, but have, have they hit home to your heart has he become your savior, your Lord? Have you gotten down off the throne of your life and allowed him to take his rightful place as king? It makes all the difference in the world. So the invitation today is, if you're here in the room, if you're watching online, if you've never responded to Jesus that way, maybe if you know the stuff 
but you've never, you've never given up control of your life. You've never turned it all over to him. Then we would invite you to do that. There is nothing better than allowing Jesus to be king of your life. Because what you gain is everything. Redemption, reconciliation with God, life forever, life now, a whole big messy family called the church. He has everything to offer. And it's just our sin and our pride that stand in the way. So I would encourage you to make um, that decision to open yourself up to the Lord today. And then the, the second invitation would be if you're someone who loves Jesus and who's been changed by the message of what he's done um, and you're struggling to share it, then the pressure's not on you. The pressure's not on you. The Lord's the Savior. He's got a plan, but he'd love to use you. Open your eyes, open your ears, and see what he's doing in your life. Y'all, the gospel is the good news, and it's about Jesus, and it changes everything. My hope and prayer is that it would change your life today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Thanks for the way that you love us, the way that you have not left us in our sin, but that you have come to live amongst us. You know what it's like to live in this brokenness, to be human. Lord, you shared in it all, from your life to your death to your resurrection. All of it was for our sake that you might bring us home to the Father. Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you for Curtis and the change you're working in his life. Thank you that you're not done with him, that you're just going to continue working in his life. Lord, thank you for all that you are doing here in this congregation today. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here, anyone watching this who doesn't know you personally, that they would. Lord, there is a day of reckoning coming a day of judgment when you will judge the world in righteousness and the only safe place is being hidden in your arms, wrapped in your embrace, being one of your sheep. So good shepherd, I pray that you would call people to yourself today. I pray that hearts would respond in repentance and faith, naming you as their king. And Lord, for all of us here today who, who love you and are in relationship with you but are struggling to know how to share that good news, I pray that you would just take away the, um, the fear, the nervousness, the feeling like we've got to get it just right or have all the answers. Lord, just strip all that away um, and, and, and show us the joy of getting to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, show us the, the joy of uh, getting to walk with you as you set people free. Lord Jesus, I pray that uh, just a wave of, of holy, humble boldness would, would wash over your people here today. Lord, fill us up and send us out. Work on our hearts during this time. Lord, we love you and we surrender to you. For the beauty of your name and your glory, we pray. Amen.